right. Happy President's Day. Happy Monday. Yes, I'm here. I'm working. Let not your heart be troubled. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Well, Bloomberg and his campaign is, I guess we could say Bloomberg has always been, at least in his own mind, plan B for when, uh, well, quid pro quo Joe collapses, which he's in the middle of a full collapse. He will be the more moderate to Bernie Sanders. They desperately hate Bernie Sanders. All over the the, the liberal media, I don't, even they hate him because he's too honest. They all uh, this radical extreme crop of Democrats—they're all Bernie Sanders, but they just hide it. So you got Michael Bloomberg. Nobody seems to understand what he's trying to do here. Now, let me explain it to you. Well, number one, it's never been done before. He's waiting till Super Tuesday, hoping that he can create enough of an image or perception of him being an alternative to quid pro quo Joe that he's he's just he's running a, a slick marketing and ad campaign. He's already spent according to the Washington Examiner 417.7 million dollars. All it is is one big infomercial on Mike, but nobody's been examining his record. It's like even the Huffington Post kind of nailed it when they said it's like a Wizard of Oz campaign that is his record is hiding behind the curtain. Um, there is now so much tape beginning to come out on him. It's bad. The Washington Post has a long investigative report about Bloomberg. Uh, I mean, a a who's who of things that you don't say in life. Alienating with, again, if we're going to look at the Republican Party as a coalition party, the Democratic Party as a coalition party, the base of the Democratic Party, they would like to tell you as African-Americans, Uh, The gay and lesbian community, Hispanic Americans and, uh, for example, women. That would be a part of their coalition. And, well, if that's true, it all started last week when this tape started emerging. A Bloomberg started, well, okay, says murderers and murder victims fit one M.O. Modus operandi. You just take the description. There's only one, not two. You take the description. You Xerox the description. You pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 16 to 25. That's true in New York and virtually every city. And he's talked about, yeah, we take these young kids, the police throw them up against the wall. Like, really? Okay. Uh, At one point he said, well, so, you know, people say to me, well, oh, my gosh, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. His answer, yes, that's true. All minorities, not some, all minorities. Why? Because we put all, not some, all the cops in minority communities. He said, yeah, that's true. Because that's where all the crime is. Well, that's not true. And I know for a fact, but that's what he said. Now we got, I don't even know what to make of this. So, all right, African-Americans, if all of these comments turn out to be true, about him, I mean, it's so despicable. He's attacking members of the gay and lesbian community using words that, well, he's never apologized for. Apparently at his 48th birthday, they had this book put together, 32 pages of the wit and wisdom of Michael Bloomberg. Now, Washington Post ran with this all weekend, and so have other media outlets. Then we have uh, apparently some of the details emerging from many of the lawsuits. Apparently there's a ton of lawsuits uh, about Michael Boom- Bloomberg, and at one point, in one case, it's called the Garrison complaint, that 
you know, apparently he was he had a group of salespeople at a New York uh, university, business school students. Anyway, Bloomberg noticed that this individual was standing nearby. Uh, why didn't you uh, why didn't they ask you to be in the picture? I guess they saw your your face. Wow. And apparently asked the plaintiff in this case, how's uh, married life? You're married. And the person responds saying, yeah, no, I'm it's going really great. And I'm going to even going to get better in the next few months. You know, saying that she's expecting her child. And uh, he responds and confirmed by others, kill it. I'm reading verbatim now from the Washington Post. Kill it. Plaintiff asked Bloomberg to repeat himself. And again, he said, kill it. And then muttered, great, number 16, suggesting to the plaintiff his unhappiness that 16 women in his company had maternity-related status. I don't think that's going to go over particularly well with that part of the coalition. Uh, uh, so this is going to be very interesting to watch how this happens. He got torn apart by Zerlina Maxwell, who we know. I've had her on this program. I've had her on TV. And she used to work for Hillary Clinton. And the idea that they were floating this trial balloon that he's considering Hillary as his vice presidential running mate, likening Bloomberg to a defective product. I mean, they were furious about this. Right now, he's blanketing the airwaves with glossy advertisements. And if millions of dollars behind the advertisements don't work to sell products, even defective ones, they wouldn't spend so much on advertising. Then she went on and said, I don't think by accepting a deeply flawed candidate... Uh, particularly one that hasn't debated any of the other candidates. I think we're jumping ahead before black and brown people have an opportunity to weigh in at the ballot box. I think she was referring to the comments that came out last week. And if you're going to do this at the same time, you throw in, quote, uh, black children up against the wall and then defending it until weeks before you're announcing your run, then people, I think, have a right to be skeptical about whether or not you really care about these communities. Uh, So... And it just goes on from there. But, I mean, we have new video. Now we have another part of the coalition. Democrats have always played the fear card as it relates to, oh, Republicans want dirty air and water. And Republicans, now think of what they're doing here. When I always tell you every two years, every four years, it's the same playbook. That Republicans are racist. They are sexist. They're misogynistic. Why, why do they do this every two or four years? Because they're playing to the base of their party. And they're trying to portray, remember Al Gore, Republicans don't even want to count you in the census before a predominantly African-American group. And why? Because they're racist, we're not. Now, I can argue, it's, these are pretty fascinating times when you look at any of these big cities, and we've been doing a pretty deep dive on TV, our 2020 correspondent, Lawrence Jones, out in San Francisco, one mile from Nancy Pelosi's house in one district, one mile from her office in the other district. What do you see? People, needles everywhere, all over the streets, drug addicts everywhere. They don't have any facilities, so they're defecating in the streets. They're urinating in the streets. Why didn't Nancy fix the problem one mile from her house, one mile from her office? Raises great questions, doesn't it? Same in L.A., same in Chicago. How our fellow Americans... You know, I think I'm the only one on TV that ever scrolled the names of all of these people shot and murdered in Chicago. And still the violence continues. Dem- what are these? What's the one commonality here? And that is Democratic Party rule for decades. Look at Baltimore. President got attacked because of what he said about Baltimore. 
Well, in Baltimore, there are 13 public high schools where there's not one kid, not one, proficient in reading or math. Well, that would mean Democratic Party rule is failing the kids in these in these cities. That's our American family. And they have no responsibility. Now we got Bloomberg in one piece of tape. He actually is you want to, now another part of the coalition. He's in favor of cutting off medical treatment to the elderly. One of my arguments has always been, uh, if you want to know how great socialized medicine is and a single-payer system in Canada, look at all the politicians and wealthy Canadians. When they need real medical care, they fly to the U.S. to get treated. The National Health Services in Great Britain, you know, they, they literally will say to you, well, you need a new hip, you need a new knee, whatever it happens to be, uh, but you've already exceeded your life expectancy. You're not getting it. And it's denied more often than you would think. Yeah, but tape now a Bloomberg saying he's in favor of cu- cutting off medical treatment to the elderly. Listen to this. things they can't fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an x-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just... And all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem... It's going back to and we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old. We should say, go and enjoy, have a nice day, live a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Oh, if you're 95, you have prostate cancer. Yeah, go enjoy yourself. You've had a long life. No cure for you. We can't do anything for you. Now, do you think Bloomberg's going to do that in his own life? No, he's going to hire every doctor imaginable and pay whatever it costs to, to extend his life as long as he possibly can. But to the rest of us, no, that's not going to happen. And then, you know, quintessentially Democratic, right? We have the revealing remarks of, of Peter Strzok, smelly Trump supporters, Walmart shoppers, and Hillary called us irredeemable deplorables and Obama said we're bitter Americans that cling to God, our Constitution, our Bibles and religion. Well, now we got Michael Bloomberg. He thinks that uh, the farmers. Now, you got to think about this. There are people that go to college, study farming and and the chemical process and soil and and how to maximize the success and hybrids and this. And I mean, it's amazing. How great these, but we have the greatest farmers in the world. We feed the world. It's incredible. But not according to my, you just dig a hole in the ground, you drop in a seat. Listen to this. The agrarian society lasted 3,000 years. More and we could matter. teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank and the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level 
different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. It's not clear the teachers can teach or the students can learn. And so the challenge for society to find jobs for these people who we can take care of giving them a roof over their head and a meal in their stomach and a cell phone and a car and that sort of thing. But the thing that's the most important that will stop them from setting up the guillotine someday is the dignity of a job. That's it. That's how we're going to we're just going to dismiss farmers as needing more gray matter. That's easy. I can teach any of you to be a farmer. Come on. Seriously. You know, you dig a hole, you put a seed in it, you throw dirt on top, you add water and up pops the corn. What an idiot. How arrogant can you be? Do you have any clue? I mean, it's like he's saying, oh, well, mother, mama, I, uh, I mean, and, and the, the whoever the. I guess nanny and the scrabble and the, the nanny lets you win. I'm like, who thinks like this? And that's just the tip of the iceberg with this guy. You talk about condescension. You know, really, he has prostate cancer at 95. He's not going to spend his money to, to get well. That's a crock, too. Now he's insulting minorities, gays and lesbians, women, and saying, oh, yeah, I support killing you. And if you don't have enough money like I do, too bad. I just wish my mother had lived long enough to see a crowd like this. She would have, what she would say to me is, don't let it go to your head. And uh, she, uh, every day I'd say, what'd you do? And she'd say, well, I played Scrabble today. And I said, who'd you play with? The housekeeper. Uh, did you win? Yes, of course. And I said, mother, the housekeeper works for us. She's throwing the, 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 the game to you. And she said, that's an outrage. And then she finished by saying, and if you learn to play Scrabble, you'd learn how to spell. Unbelievable. He's, it's all coming out. This is going to be interesting to watch the mob try and protect him here. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity shows. Now he's going to just dismiss farmers. We have the greatest farmers in the world. He knows nothing. I just, I can't even believe. I just dig a hole. You put a seed in it. You throw dirt on top, add water. Up comes the corn. What a dope. It's so condescending. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, there is some pushback here. Elizabeth Warren, Bloomberg should be able to run but not use his own money. I disagree. It's his money. We live in a free country. Amy Klobuchar saying that Bloomberg shouldn't be able to hide behind the airwaves with huge buys. The guy spent $417 million. And all this now coming out. Are they going to go after? Are they going to give him the same scrutiny as they would give any Republican? The answer is no, because the mob is so corrupt. Latest example of that is, you know, oh, look what happened to their beloved Avenatti, which we'll talk about. You know, he's facing now 42 years in prison. Well, what did he do? I guess a shakedown on Nike of some kind. Valerie Jarrett saying Bloomberg has a lot more to do than just apologize. Even Reverend Al saying he's got to repair the damage. But it's not just that. He's attacking gays and lesbians. He's so rude and condescending to women. I can't even say 99% of the stuff that he's saying. And it's like, it's not like funny stuff. It's like, okay, you're really weird. You're, you're kind of creepy. Sort of like the creeps that work at uh, fake news, CNN, a lot of creepy people over there too. Um, we'll get to all of this today. I just think their plan B is blowing up in their face. And uh, now Bloomberg uh, has got a lot of explaining to do. Love it. Oh, and by the way, you're a golfer, right? Well, who's going to cut our greens and who's going to care for our greens? That's a science. And cut our fairways. We have to have illegal immigrants do that. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 260 days till Election Day. You, we, the American people, 
We are the ultimate jury. You get to ultimately decide. Now you've got Bloomberg plan B blowing up. I mean, in a spectacular fashion. It's it's going to, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine all this coming out, especially the comments about women and gays and lesbians and old people and African-Americans uh, is going to go over well with the with the party base. And then you've got, you've got like it's the man behind the curtain. Nobody knows this guy. We know him in New York. We know that. Oh, and he's even insulting teachers unions. I'm like, great. Why don't you go after everybody? Uh, that you're going to be asking to vote for you. Now, he's tried to change his opinions. I mean, that's the spectacular fail of Bloomberg coming out and saying, you know, well, he supported stop and frisk for 12 years. And yet five years of Comrade de Blasio as mayor. And he said nothing about, uh, uh, oh, hating stop and frisk for 17 years, but he decides he's going to run for president. I mean, it's so transparently phony. It's everything we hate about politicians. It's not real. There was a story about him. Uh, apparently, when he was mayor, he left all of these exclusive golf clubs, I guess he was a member of. Then he's done being mayor, didn't think he was going to run for office again, so he joined them all up again. It was something Lloyd Benson did. So did he really leave because he wanted diversity at the golf clubs? No, he didn't leave at all. Another golf comment he made to a mutual friend, uh, guy that I know, great broadcaster, John Gambling, and said, you like golf, John, I like golf. We, we don't have illegal immigrants. Who's going to care for our greens and cut our fairways? And he spoke to Spanish, uh, Sp- Spanish language network last week. Oh, I'm going to make every illegal immigrant legal. And uh, we're not going to control the borders and immigration. I'm like, oh, great. Keep running. This is sort of like the Bernie plan. We're going to lose jobs, and I'm going to raise your taxes through the roof. It's a good plan. That's very appealing. Um, watching how the mob, and now we're telling grandma and grandpa, oh, you're sick at 95. You had a good life. Go home. You're going to die anyway. Well, we're all in the process, I guess, of dying. We're all going to die at some point. I'm pretty certain if Bloomberg has uh, prostate cancer at 95, he's probably going to hire the best doctors to try and stay as long alive as long as possible. I'm not in any rush to get leave this world either. But if you don't have the money, too bad. We got to tell old people, too bad. Life expectancy, you're done. You're out. You don't have enough, enough money like I do, too bad. That's what he's saying. And it's, it's really odd on a level that I can't even believe it. So um, I kind of got bored, I guess, or maybe a little sick of it. I don't know, either way. We've watched now this love affair with Michael Avenatti. Years, and it's gone on to the point where they, they they turned him into a deity. Now, why did the media take to you know fake news, CNN, and conspiracy TV, state-run television for the radical Democratic Party, MSDNC? Why why was there this love of Avenatti? You know, a hundred times on this network, it's you know hundred times on this network. He was on every second of every day. Why? Because they he hated Trump. And then he took it a step further. It started thinking about running for president. And many were, yeah, you could be the savior of the Democratic Party. You're so good because you hate Trump the most. He was representing Stormy Daniels at the time. And at one point, I ran into him. Linda, remember this like two years ago, three years ago at that media? Was it? No, I think it was like I I was on a list of something. 
It's one of like, I go to like one event a year. That's it. And I'm literally pushed and, and screaming and dragged there by, well, Fox News, to be honest. Not in a bad way. They want me to go, and I try and, do, I try and be a good host. I try and be a good colleague and coworker. Um, but I saw him there, and he's like, well, I want to come on your show. I said, you're on internet. you, you got to earn the number one show. And he's going on Twitter, and he's trying to get me to bite. And I finally tweeted him back. I said, you're on every other show. You haven't earned the right to be on the number one rated show because you just repeat yourself. You hate Donald Trump. There you go. Said, if you have any expertise in any other topic, let me know. Never heard back from him. But I never put him on the air for that reason. I he's everywhere else. So anyway, then he comes out with this woman, Julie Swetnick, and she was the one that made one of the allegations against Justice Kavanaugh. And if you recall, when allegations, not only in this matter with Nike that he was found guilty of, what does he face? 42 years in prison, I read. Uh, not good for him. But first, there were allegations of some type of domestic altercation. He was involved. And I said, I'm going to give Avenatti that which he never gave Justice Kavanaugh, which is the presumption of innocence, a belief in due process, benefit of the doubt, and something he should have given Justice Kavanaugh and didn't. No, well, now we don't have to say it because now he was convicted in this case against Nike, shakedown of Nike. What was it, four counts, three or four counts? Um, but he's loved by the media. And anyway, so I guess I'm looking at Mediaite over the weekend, and there I see Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> this guy cracks me up because they actually don't even, I, I think there is a such a, a bifurcation of their brains that they actually believe or have convinced themselves of a couple of things that Donald Trump is the embodiment of evil and they have convinced themselves that they are fair and balanced and that they're real journalists. They're not. I mean, fake news, CNN is hate Trump and all things Trump and all things Fox News every second, every minute and every hour of every day. They hate, and it's 95% hate Trump. It's a little bit of, we'll splash in a little hate Hannity in there or hate, you know, well, whoever. So it's a joke that they take themselves that seriously. And I'm watching, they're trying to act serious. And Humpty Dumpty, just so you know, I guess he's in charge of, he's really just Jeff Zucker's stenographer because Jeff Zucker hates, he can't stand Donald Trump. I don't know, but it's personal for him. And anyway, so I, I see that there's this montage put together. I don't know who put it out originally. Maybe it was the Washington Free Beacon. It was the Beacon, and I saw it on Mediaite. And anyway, let's play the media love fest of, with Avenatti. And I'm making a point here. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare, Michael Avenatti. Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. He's out there saving the <laughs> Look, country. Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. These people all like you. I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. Right. Michael Avenatti is a beast. 
Okay, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a beast. I hand it to yeah. her, and I hand it to Michael Avenetti. But he has a great, bigger calling here. That being a lawyer is minimal compared to what he's doing. No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. And Donald Trump is afraid to mention his name. That's fascinating. Donald Trump is terrified of Michael Avenatti. He gives Trump a run for his money more than anybody else, Michael Avenatti. Existential threat to the Trump presidency. The Democrats could learn something for you. You are messing with Trump a lot more than they are. He has no doubt created sheer panic in Donald Trump's very fragile mind. Michael Avenatti is laying down the law as guest co-host. And is he really thinking about running for president? Uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. You look at the field of Democrats right now and Avenatti's the one who stands out. If they decide they value a fighter most, yes. people would be foolish to underestimate Michael yeah. Avenatti. I have always said that they need a fighter. Look, I mean, we're going to continue to use the media. I think we've used it with great success. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Uh-huh. <laughs> handcuffs. Oh, that's great. So um, so I see this thing, this story, all of these appearances, all of them, and he was only on these networks constantly for one reason, is that he hated, hated Donald Trump. You know, was it stupid on my part to think he was a presidential contender? Was that stupid that we, I'm like, okay, I can't take it anymore. And so you've got these media guys, and here's the thing. They got like this media show. And the only reason I know it exists because I do read Mediaite and I, I, I see these things that are said constantly and these constant lies and attacks by fake news CNN. And it's like they're stalkers. They, they get they, nobody watches their show. I mean, I even won't even say his name because I'll just say Humpty Dumpty. Because that's I mean, but they've convinced themselves they're so sick that they are holier than thou. They're so sanctimonious, self-righteous that they think they're journalists. They think they're news people. They are not journalists. They're not news people. They're agenda-driven, propaganda, state-run TV for everything radical, extreme, socialist, Democrat. They, it's such a disconnect that they can't even see their own hypocrisy. And I was thinking about it. So anyway, so I tweeted out there. And so I guess he has this assistant guy who now on two separate occasions, and apparently he's been emailing a lot, anybody that works for me, his name is Oliver, emailing a real lot, wanting to get drinks with everybody, kind of creepy, and nobody knows who he is. Ollie comes up to me twice. I'm like, do I know you? I don't know who you are. It's Oliver. Oliver who? And me, Oliver, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, who is this? It's like a stalker. So that's why I don't go out to these things. I can't stand these people anyway, for the most part. A couple of people I like, very few. And I go on this thing because they think that they are so great and so superior. Now, they're either attacking the president or they're fixated with Fox News. Now, we don't hide who we are. What do I do for a living? I'm a radio talk show host. I'm a TV talk show host. What does that mean? What does your job entail? Well, I could produce thousands of hours of radio and thousands of hours of TV of me just doing straight up reporting news, news of the day, what's happening. Okay, let's go to Joe Bastardi. We have a weather situation in, uh, in this location, that location. Or, uh, okay, let's go to our war correspondents, God forbid. 
or let's go to, you know, a natural disaster, something that's happened. Plane's gone down, God forbid. And thousands of hours. I, as a talk show host, it's my job to just do news. We also do investigative reporting. Media wouldn't vet Barack Obama. It was all hope and change. And yes, we can. And led by the media. The only question that Obama ever got about Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn is his good friends where he started his political career in their home. Members of the Weather Underground of all days, 9-11-2001, Bill Ayers quoted in the New York Times wishing he had done more. Meanwhile, the Weather Underground bombed the Pentagon and the Capitol and New York City Police Headquarters. We wished we did more uh, of all days. They never learned about Frank Marshall Davis, the Chum Gang, what a community organizer was, ACORN, Black Liberation Theology, uh, Reverend Wright, Ayers and Dorn and the radicalism of Obama. So we did the job for them. Because they, they for example, they, they supported the most radical candidate and they were enthusiastic about it. But they think they're fair and balanced. The investigations we've done into the deep state, I'm extremely proud of the fact. I, there's no doubt Hillary Clinton violated the Espionage Act, 18 U.S.C. 793. There's no doubt to me it's a slam dunk case about Hillary Clinton, deletions and bleach bit and hammers. We were right when everybody else was doing Russia, Russia about the dirty dossier with funneled money through a law firm to an op research firm to a foreign national. We were right that the bulk of information in the FISA applications was from the unverifiable, now debunked dirty dossier that Hillary Clinton paid for. We were right that it was premeditated fraud on the court because they were warned numerous occasions. Yeah, we broke all those stories, too. And even now, the attorney general has admitted, yep, those FISA applications were obtained wrongly. The mob, see it, fake news, CNN. So we do investigative reporting. We do straight news. We do opinion, obviously. And I'm straight up. I'm a conservative. We also do sports and we do culture. They think they do news. They do none of it. They have an agenda. And they, their agenda is everything anti-Trump, anti-Fox News. And that's their full obsession. Now, I, fi- I finished my, they always say when you tweet like three or four times, it's a tweet storm, an angry tweet storm. Nothing angry. I didn't embrace Avenatti. They did. How many times have we been right? I tell the story about what I learned when I was in Atlanta. I was the only person that said just because he lives with his mother and father doesn't make Richard Jewell a terrorist. Changed my life. But we were right on, let's see, Cambridge Police when the media was wrong. We were right on Ferguson, Missouri. Why? Because my sources told me they had eyewitnesses. I knew early on. Same thing with Freddie Gray, Baltimore. Those cops are all going down. No, they weren't. My sources then were right, dead on accurate. You know, the, the idea that Trump could win. None of the media people thought he could win. I was right about uh, the deep state. I'm going to be proven even further right down the road. They've gotten everything wrong. It just is, it's amazing to me. They embraced this guy, wanted this guy to run for president. Where'd their love for Avenatti come from? Came from the fact that he was an outspoken Trump hater. And they wanted to do as much damage as they could do to Trump. Same with Fox. But they're not news people. That, there's a reason why their ratings are so low, which is why I concluded this. Don't change a thing. Keep doing what you're doing because hating Fox and hating Trump is not going to get any type of audience ever. It's not going to work. 
The agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. It's not clear the teachers can teach or the students can learn. And so the challenge for society to find jobs for these people who we can take care of giving them a roof over their head and a meal in their stomach and a cell phone and a car and that sort of thing. But the thing that's the most important that will stop them from setting up the guillotine someday is the dignity of a job. I was stunned you didn't do as well in Manchester and Dubuque. You're, you're middle class Joe. You're the, you're, you're the guy of, of, of these working class. You didn't do well in Dubuque and Manchester. Well, I, 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 I did better in Dubuque, but I got outspent overwhelmingly in both places. I think Bernie spent $25 million. And, and this is what has your supporters anxious. You're the former vice president. How are you getting outspent? How are you getting well, outspent by Bernie and by Buttigieg? You shouldn't well, be. No, I shouldn't be because, but I haven't, uh, I haven't spent the time, it's starting to happen now, I haven't spent the time going out, uh, doing the fundraisers, and moving the way I have. Uh, well, though now online we're raising about 400000 bucks a day, and we have a, a lot of fundraisers that are online, and we got a lot of union support now. So, um, but um, I think you're right that um, my being outspent has had an impact. We're not going, we're going to be able to compete from here on in, including these two. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show. There's uh, Bloomberg. Uh, well, come on. I can teach you to be a farmer. I mean, it's easy to be a farmer. All you got to do is you dig a hole, you put a seed in it, and you put dirt on top of it and water, and boom, up pops the corn. What a, what a condescending jackass. Uh, even worse, his comments, if you get cancer at 95, uh, well, we're just going to tell you, you lived a long life. We can't do anything. You're on your own. Is he going to do that in his own life? I tend to doubt it. The billionaire, the man behind the curtain now, has uh, spent $417 million. Slick marketing ad campaign only. That's all this has been. Now we're, pay- now we're beginning to pay attention. And, you know, this is a guy, murders, murder vi- murderers, murder victims fit one MO. Take the description. One, you Xerox it, you pass it out to all cops. They're all Male minorities at 16 to 25. That's true in New York and virtually every city in America. That's where the real crime is. And by the way, you you, you got to, you know, you, you, you put cops, you, you throw young kids up against the wall. Really? Okay. If that's your thought process behind stop and frisk. That's worse. I mean, this isn't this. This isn't even profiling. This is complete. One thousand percent only go after minorities is what he's saying. People say to me, oh, my God, you, you, you're asking you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. 
all. That's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. You can't make this up. And again, you get 95, you get cancer. We can't get out of here. We can't. We're not spending any money on you. Wow. And we, we, by the way, if we get rid of illegal immigrants, and he said last week he wants every illegal immigrant to become legal, well, who's going who's gonna to take care of our greens and our fairways? I hate to tell you, but like farming, not that putting together a golf course and maintaining it and doing it, it's a science. You know how much these gr- real top-notch greens creek keepers get? Fortunes, because it's so easy to do, just like farming. is So just drop a seed in the ground. Anyway, what is the uh, impact on all of this? Plan B seems to be collapsing rather quickly. We bring in our pollsters, uh, John McLaughlin and uh, Matt Towery back with us. Uh, All right. Well, I don't know if we know the full impact of the Bloomberg disaster, but the marketing campaign isn't going to work now because even the Democrats are sick and tired of his crap. Your take, John McLaughlin. Well, as we've talked about before, Biden's in the process of collapsing. So the Democrat frontrunner is is uh, the unintended. He's done. Uh, Let's be honest. I th- I think he's done. All right. So so Bloomberg was going to be Plan B. Bloomberg now it's getting worse by the hour. Yeah, but Plan B. He's not playing in in South in Nevada. His caucus is next because Bernie's ahead and he's afraid of losing to Bernie. And in South Carolina, Biden's starting to lose his lead to Bernie. So he's afraid of losing to Bernie in South Carolina because then he loses African-American vote. So he, it, and it's mixed in the states that he's playing in, like like Texas. He's in third place still behind Sanders and Biden. So the first the first real look we're going to get at Bloomberg is going to be on the March 3rd Super Tuesday state that he's trying to buy. He'll have spent over four. Right, million, let's assume for a second. Matt mm-hmm. Towery, that the Republican Party coalition party around issues, et cetera, and and demographics. So we are told the same with the Democrats. So now that we have these comments, this big piece by The Washington Post about horrific comments about women. I mean, so over the top, I can't even explain them on air. Uh, and there's a lot of them. So now women is a big part of the coalition attacks on gays and lesbians, African-Americans, uh, and telling old people, we're not going to help you. You live past your prime. You're going to die. Good luck. Get out of my office. How's this? Uh, that's a big part of the Democratic Party, isn't it? Or at least their base. It is. it is. And the real question, Sean, is will there be enough money out there from the candidates who are running against Bloomberg to really tattoo him with these issues? Um, that's the critical part, because we know a good percentage of the, of the voters don't pay attention to what they see on the news every day. It's a, it's a different sort of world. They watch regular TV shows and enjoy themselves and have real lives. And so they don't worry about politics. You have to bring it in front of them in terms of. A but TV the base of the Democratic Party is going to turn out to vote. I mean, the people yes. that would know are the people that will vote in a primary. Correct. So, so, yes. And I would I would suspect that if, if Bloomberg starts to fade because of these attacks, it's going to inure to the benefit of someone like Mayor Pete. Um, there's got to be a middle, it's in their middle, not, <laughs> it's way left to center, but their middle, quote unquote. There's got to be some alternative to Bernie. That's going to continue to happen. And I think that, that if, in fact, um, we don't see uh, Bloomberg perform well on Super Tuesday, then all the money in the world will not save him. And he will right. not be that alternative. All right, so then it's Bernie's to lose. Basically. 
What are your thoughts, John McLaughlin? I think I think Bernie's definitely got the most committed. I mean, he's going to rack up the delegates, and he's got the most committed uh, people within the Democrat Party in their wing. And that social, the winner of the socialist primary, as Elizabeth Warren collapses and he rises, it's likely to be the nominee. Now, I, I just get you missed the biggest negative on on uh, Mayor Bloomberg that came up over over the weekend. He said he would take Hillary Clinton as his vice as his vice president. And well, Hillary Clinton. Some people Washington. that work for Hillary Clinton are really ticked off and saying that uh, you can't fix a de- defective product, and then blasted him. I mean, he's getting blasted by a lot of people now. By, by the way, I, I looked at it like, please, please pick her, please. I'm kind of with <laughs> you. I'm like pretty pleased with sugar on top. It's sort of like fake news, CNN. I'm like, don't change what you're doing. Just keep up. Just keep up the great work attacking Trump and Hannity and Fox. I love it. The other thing, Sean, is that once once you start talking about Hillary Clinton as a running mate, you really get on the radar screen of the Bernie supporters who are not wild about Hillary Clinton in the first place. So the idea that it looks like this inside job, another one of these inside jobs is beginning to develop, that's going to spell trouble for when they get down the road. And even if Sanders doesn't have the nomination locked up, those people are going to really be upset at Mike Bloomberg. All right, here's where we are with the real clear politics average, the generic 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. You got Sanders won 23.6. Biden is still in second, 19.2. Bloomberg, again, nobody's really seen or heard from him. It's just 417 million in a slick marketing campaign. He's a 14-2, Warren at 12-4, Buddha Judge 10-6. Nevada, you've got, again, real clear average, 21.5% Bernie, 18.5 Biden, 12 Warren, and Bloomberg doesn't even show up. He's not even on the ballot there, I don't think. I don't but I guess it's a no. caucus. Uh all right, now you've got South Carolina. South Carolina has Biden still in the lead. At 26.5, Bernie 20. That's his firewall. But, you know, we've seen that firewall die for a lot of candidates over the years. Right. It's a lot more volatile than you think. And Steyer in in both Nevada and in uh, South Carolina has double digits, too, because he spent over $200 I guess, most of it there. But the other part is, go back to the Hillary Clinton thing. You know, as the Washington Post, you know, started revealing all these stories that you won't see in Bloomberg News, but about him making the comments about women and what he's done in his company to, to be so tone deaf to say, I want Hillary Clinton as the vice president. So she could, the, the unwritten message was maybe she can enable him the way she enabled Bill all those years. And then, you know, I mean, this is, this is just starting on Bloomberg right now. And those states you mentioned. Well, what, what about this Texas, case where he says to this woman who happens to be expecting her child, she's happy as can be, will kill it. Right. I'm like, whoa. Exactly. Right. I'm not, and and so, that's scary because, I mean, here's a guy who could go from telling you what soda to drink and and what to do as mayor in New York City to all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to tell you in your personal life whether to have that baby or not. I mean, do we want that as president? We know he wants to take away guns retroactively from law abiding citizens. But in the meantime, in New York City, he's not even mentioning anything about cashless bail. Cashless bail, you have a crisis in New York State where people are being let go, people who are who are felons and violent criminals who are being let go under cashless bail, put back on the streets to commit more crimes. By the way, I, let me just tell totally people violent. what you're talking about, because you got a guy in New York City thanking Democrats. He's been arrested 139 times 
And he doesn't stop. He says, you can't stop me because he just gets let out on bail every time. And the, but another problem is out in California, sanctuary state. I mean, they have all of these violent illegal immigrants. And, and this was on Breitbart. I couldn't believe it. One after another, you, they won't give out information about violent felonies that are committed. First degree robbery, armed robbery, uh, a battery of, of a spouse, imprisonment. Um, drug dealing, uh, one particular case, assault, uh, child cruelty, battering the spouse. They still won't, you know, let these people get arrested by ICE. It's like unbelievable. Right. So let's let's. So it's, so in effect, here's the Republican, former Republican mayor of New York, when it's convenient for him to be the successor to Rudy Giuliani, saying, "Let's throw these guys up against the wall to go from a place there that he's agreeing with." Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and these and these sanctuary cities, where we're not even going to arest them anymore. We're going to let violent criminals loosen our neighborhood. Right, I want to take a break it's on this. We'll come back. Our, our pollsters, Matt Terry, John McLaughlin, and whether or not what the what the fallout for, I guess, Plan B Bloomberg is going to be. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show our pollsters, uh, Matt Terry, John McLaughlin. All right. Now that all of this, it's a, we're being deluged with these insane things that are said by Michael Bloomberg. What is the fallout for their plan B, Matt Towery? I don't know the fallout for it except for one thing, Sean. Because he has so many problems now, if he ends up becoming plan B, the Bernie people will never accept it, and there will be a complete divide in the Democratic Party. Well, do you, I mean, a big part of the Democratic Party, and it was amazing. Trump ran the last time, said, what have you got to lose to minority communities? And now he's got a track record of record low unemployment for every demographic. And I've got to imagine that's going to factor into things. What do you think happens, John McLaughlin? I, th- I think that's onto something here where it's as, as Bernie builds momentum and delegates, through Nevada, through South Carolina, through Super Tuesday. As that happens, it makes it very hard for the Democrats to steal the nomination the way they did four years ago. From Well, they're trying to change the rules back on superdelegates voting on the first ballot. Right. And and the other part is, by the way, Bloomberg has not even been in a primary caucus, and he hasn't stood up in a debate with Bernie and Bloomberg debating is going to be like a Seinfeld episode. It's going to be great. And, and oh, but then you got his positions. He's anti-gun. Then you got his positions. Mm-hmm. He's now open borders. Then you got all the comments about women and African-Americans and minorities uh, attacking the gay and lesbian community. I don't think any of this goes over well with the Democratic base. No, and a lot of those positions he took as a Republican mayor. Well, he was never a Republican. That's a myth, too. The only reason he said, I'll be a Republican, is because there were 400 people running in the Democratic primary, and he quickly, he never was a Republican. That's it. I mean, it just was his sneaky way like he's trying to do here. Well, his problem this time, Sean, is that the, the, the money was, trust me, I believe the money works to some extent. I think he's pushing his way up, for example, here in Florida, where I am. He's coming up in the polls a little bit. But the issue is you've still got Biden out there. Biden's not through yet. And you know where all these attacks are coming from. A lot of them are coming from the traditional Democratic Center because they're the people who support Biden. And they think that this is their chance that they, they can knock uh, Mike Bloomberg off. So all right, I got to leave it there. But thank you both. Uh, when we come back, I actually agree with Bill Barr and President Trump. 
here with James Comey. His new book, A Higher Loyalty, is out today. This is his first live interview uh, since the book's been released, and thank you for coming back. Folks, uh, of all the people to be fired by Donald Trump, my guest tonight is definitely one of them. His new book is A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. Please welcome former FBI Director James Comey. My first guest tonight is the former Deputy Director of the FBI who was fired after launching investigations into President Trump's ties to Russia. His new book is The Threat. Please welcome former Deputy Director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe. Uh, let's bring in James Baker, former general counsel for the FBI. Let me bring in now on set John Brennan. He served as CIA director under President Obama and acting director of the National Counterterrorism Center under President George W. Bush. He is now an MSNBC senior national security and intelligence analyst. Let's bring in former deputy FBI director Andrew McCabe, now CNN contributor. Good to see you. Good to be here. Joining us now is James Clapper. He served as the director of national intelligence for seven years under President Obama and is now a CNN national security analyst. Dr. Uh, director Clapper, it is so Good to have you here. FBI agents descended on Paul Manafort's Alexandria, Virginia apartment in an unannounced pre-dawn raid. The president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, just sentenced to 47 months. That is one month shy of four years for running a global scheme. Judge has sentenced former Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos to 14 days in prison. Papadopoulos was convicted of lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russians. Prosecutors wanted to sentence him six months. Paul Manafort, guilty, convicted on eight counts. Exclusive footage you're looking at right now from CNN as the FBI arrives at Roger Stone's residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida taking him into custody. Tonight, Roger Stone is a convicted felon. A jury found him guilty on all seven counts, including witness tampering and making false statements to Congress. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenatti. Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. He's out there saving the <laughs> Look, country. It, it, Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. These people all like you. I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. Right. Michael Avenatti's a beast. Okay, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a beast. I hand it to yeah. her and I hand it to Michael Avenatti. But he has a great, bigger calling here. That being a lawyer is minimal compared to what he's doing. No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. And Donald Trump is afraid to mention his name. That's fascinating. Donald Trump is terrified of Michael Avenatti. He gives Trump a run for his money more than anybody else, Michael Avenatti. Existential threat to the Trump presidency. The Democrats could learn something for you. You are messing with Trump a lot more than they are. He has no doubt created sheer panic in Donald Trump's very fragile mind. Michael Avenatti is laying down the law as guest co-host. And is he really thinking about running for president? Uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. You look at the field of Democrats right now and Avenatti's the one who stands out. If they decide they value a fighter most, yes. people would be foolish to underestimate Michael yeah. Avenatti. I have always said that they need a fighter. Look, I mean, we're going to continue to use the media. I think we've used it with great success. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Uh -huh. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, isn't that sweet and lovely and kind? 24 till the top of the hour on this uh, President's Day. Glad you're with us. 260 days till the ultimate jury. You, we, the American people decide uh, you get to shock the world again. You notice the one thing that is the, the commonality here. If you hate Trump, if you hate Donald Trump, even if you're a deep state operative that has been pointed out as somebody lacking candor all of these times, uh, if you're somebody that we now know signed off on a warrant using as the the fundamental core of the application, unverifiable since debunked Russian dossier put together by Hillary Clinton, and you sign off on it three times, no problem. Just go on fake news, CNN, just write about a higher honor. And whether you be a, a former CIA director or James Clapper, can't wait to find out what went on in Italy and Great Britain and Australia. Outsourcing, spying on Americans for the sake of what? Uh, circumventing American law. And then, of course, we do know the spying that occurred on a campaign, the Trump campaign, then transition team, and then deep into the presidency. Those words are the words of the attorney general. But if you're Michael Avenatti and you bring in Julie Swetnick and she makes these incredible allegations, how almost every weekend, almost not some, almost every other weekend, the kids would would these high school boys would get the girls drunk and they'd put stuff in their their drinks and the girls would pass out and they'd line up in the halls and they would rape them every weekend, other weekend. Anyone ever care? No, he just kept getting more airtime and more airtime. Where was the apology from Avenatti or Julie Swetnick? When do we ever go after people that make false claims? Anyway, a lot to sort through here. Um, one thing, Andrew Weissman, he was the pit bull of Robert Mueller in the Russia, Russia, Russia hysteria period of time. Um, he's weighed in on the issue, and I think he sees the declination uh, announcement of McCabe and not being charged with having... Well, lacked candor four separate times, three of those four lying under oath uh, as, uh, you know, that's not a get out of jail free card, because even he is saying now what I've been saying, that's the low hanging fruit. And that would have been in the Washington, D.C. Circuit Court, which is difficult because it tends to be very left leaning. And now I think the bigger the bigger shoe eventually is going to drop here. And I believe it's going to be a massive shoe. And he said that as it relates to what happened, okay, McCabe didn't get charged Friday for lying and lack of candor, but he says all they did was swapped out a loser case for starting an investigation that is going to be of Comey, McCabe, and Strzok. And I think it's deeper than that. I think it's Brennan and Clapper and everybody in between. Anyway, here for his take, Jordan Seculo, ACLJ executive director. He was on the president's defense team during the impeachment trial. How are you, sir? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me. I actually think Weissman is correct. I think yep. that was the low-hanging fruit, and I think that the investigation, if you look at all the crumbs, Barr has actually said the president was spied on deep into his presidency. The, the Department of Justice has said those warrants were obtained illegally, the FISA warrants. Uh, we know Barr has said, yes, the candidate and president was spied on, and he used that word. Then you see the position that he took. Well, you only get 4.2 years on average median time spent in jail for rape. Uh, Stone asking for nine years for process crimes of, of lying under oath are ridiculous. Nine years for that. Yeah. Um, and then I think what he's doing with General Flynn is also another crumb that he's really getting to the bottom of everything. 
Yeah, and I think that when it comes to Attorney General Barr, he's made no mistake about it. No one's telling him what to do. And he even made it clear. He said even with the tweets from the president, he said the president's never called me to do anything about a criminal investigation. And, Sean, I think that that was, uh, again, something that liberal media wanted to pass by clearly. He said he'll testify before these committees about uh, that. But, but, but I mean, by the way, I know nobody very... wants to hear the nuance of this, but in reality, the chief law enforcement officer in the country is the president, and the right. president, it is his constitutional sure. within his powers to tell the Department of Justice what to do, yes, to investigate or not investigate. Is that correct? They don't like that. They don't like that theory. But even with that power, the president, who I think does realize the kind of assault he's under, I mean, it's just nonstop from, from these actors, has not tried to call Bill Barr. Bill Barr would not never have said that to the media if it wasn't true that the president has not called him to try and intervene in, in criminal investigations. I think it was weird timing, that, uh, the tweet that came out about the stone, and that already at DOJ they were reviewing this and looking at how absurd this, uh, this sentencing uh, guidelines and how it violated their guidelines. And then I go back to even what you played at the beginning with, with uh, one of the, how the liberal media spun McKay being fired for investigating the president's ties to Russia. That's not why he got fired from the FBI. He got fired from the FBI because the Office of Personnel there uh, decided that he lacked candor in those interviews, and and they recommended his firing, even though it would occur right before his pensions would have vested. That was the FBI bureaucrats that said he should be fired. Now, that was the initial investigation they were looking at, Sean, about the lying, and it actually involved lying about Hillary Clinton, uh, the investigation and being the leak to that source that was reported in the New York Times about the the, the uh, new information on Anthony Weiner's computer that turned out not to be new. And there was that strange back and forth. I think that's part of the why this case wasn't the strongest, was that there was a confusion between McCabe and Kobe on whether Kobe did give the green light to McCabe to share this information as a source to the New York Times. That's what McCabe's position was. Kobe said he basically he couldn't remember or didn't think he said that. So, again, as you said, that's that's why you don't necessarily see, but focus I, on But I, I actually see Look both sides of this because we've been three years. We've pointed out, yeah, Hillary Clinton, the Espionage Act, nothing's happened. Hillary Clinton subpoenaed emails and bleach bitten hammers, nothing's happened. Yeah. The dirty dossier, nothing's happened. Funnel money to a law firm, to an op research firm, to a foreign national. Uh, then the premeditated fraud on a court everybody warned comey and company you can't use the dossier the dossier does end up being as devin nunes had told us and many others and we've told the public uh the bulk of information in the fisa application it says at the top of a fisa warrant uh that something is verified none of it was verifiable and they used it anyway and they used it because he's a deep state actor that hated donald trump and he thought he knew better than the rest of the country so all of that's true. So the, the president's frustrations are real because if you're going to go after Michael Flynn, uh, even though he didn't lie, and you're going to go after Roger Stone with 29 men in tactical gear and frogmen, and you're right. going to have a pre-dawn raids for Manafort, and you're going to put Cohn in jail for lying, how come all these other people don't get put in jail? Yeah, and I think I think where we're at a point now is that we've got you've got John Durham investigating the Russia probe. That's not what this was about with McCabe. McCabe, this was about leaking information about the Hillary. For the Clinton Wall Street Journal, right? Right, and and so okay, so that was the McCabe issue number one. And as Weissman is pointing out, I'm sure he's not happy about. Now they've got this new investigation looking at the whole Flynn case, and that involves Comey, McCabe, and Strzok. 
uh, with a different U.S. attorney. That is uh, uh, Jeffrey Jensen. He's out of the Eastern District of Missouri. So now you've got Durham looking at the origins of Russia still with the FISA info and L and, and the, the Steele dossier. He's doing his investigation work. And remember, that's criminal investigations. And now you've got a new U.S. attorney we now know about, Jeffrey Jensen, out of the Eastern District of Missouri, who's been appointed by Attorney General Barr to investigate the circumstances involving the Flynn case, including the interview with the FBI investigators like Strzok. And that investigation, again, you don't use U.S. attorneys, Sean, unless it's criminal. So it's a criminal investigation, and it involves Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Peter Strzok. So for I'll tell you, and so I understand Barr's desire. These guys, it's not over for these guys, and that's a good. I thing. understand all that, and I think that I understand the attorney general wanting, and he's he's got to remain independent, yeah. free of any political yeah. influence. And as you pointed out, he said that. But when the president does weigh in on it, I understand why he thinks his job gets more complicated. But on the yeah. other hand, I understand. I feel the frustration of the president. Stay right there, Jordan Seculo. All right, as we continue with Jordan Seculo looking at this uh, battle. Now, I can understand. I want to go to this issue. Yep. The attorney general wants to remain independent. He sure. expressed his frustration that the president is weighing in on matters that involve investigation. president, on the other hand, I think rightly sees everybody else being charged with things that we know these people are guilty of. Now the question is, why, why is it taking so long on one side at, when everything happens so quickly on the other? Well, no, I, it's, it's, it's honestly, I understand the president's frustration. It, the way the people that have been associated with him, it's like you're a criminal until you're proven innocent. And that hasn't worked out for a lot of the people that have been associated with him. And, uh, and, and let me just say, for, for the attorney general, it, it's the same way. I mean, they, they, you've got a thousand plus ex-DOJ uh, folks signing a letter saying he needs to resign, even though he's made clear. Yeah, by the way, nine, 97%, if we're going to be honest here, yeah. uh, 1,100 ex-DOJ employees, uh, 97% of DOJ employees are Democrats, yeah. according to yes. NPR. Yes. yes, I mean, it's, it, like most of the bureaucracy, but even worse at some of these kind of agencies like the Department of Justice. And the Attorney General made clear, though it would make his life easier without the tweets, okay, great, whatever, uh, the fact is, he was already in the process. I think that's what was frustrating to him. That he was already in the process of doing this. He, 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 uh, he knew what the right thing to do was here. That's why he's a great attorney general. That's why I hope he remains as attorney general and, and that doesn't fall down this kind of pressure and pull like the, the Jeff Sessions thing of I've got you know, to step away. And he's been through this before uh, when, when he served as attorney general for George H.W. Bush. This is a tough AG uh, he, he speaks truth to power, and he speaks truth to the media. He's not afraid of members of Congress, and he's not afraid of bureaucrats in the Department of Justice. He wants to get All to right. the truth. And what do we now know, Sean? We've got two U.S. attorneys with criminal investigations into Comey, McCabe, and Strzok. All right, Jordan Sekulo will keep updating us. We'll have more tonight at 9 on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program as we continue uh, unbelievable. 260 days. You're the ultimate jury. Will you shock the world again? Straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. Please welcome this year's Grand Marshal, the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, accompanied by First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump. Daytona International Speedway, we love our country, and it's truly an honor to be with 
all of you at the great American race. Gentlemen, start your engines. For driver, but I got to imagine there's a lot of American flags waving out that infield right now as we get ready to take the green flag here. And if you're a fan of professional cars, limousines, and the like, there is a great exhibit of presidential limousines of the past at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. And a big roar from the crowd as they come past. The green and American flags are waving from the flag stand. Well, that's a sight for the ages right there. A very special moment for our sport. After all, what sporting event would not want to have the President of the United States in attendance, much less to get the party started? Come in to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. We'll all be flying. I guess it's like a tale of two Americas again because. Well, then you have Mayor Bloomberg dismissing farmers because he's such an elitist. I mean, this is an amazing piece of tape. Listen to this. The agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank and the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. One point. 98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture. Today, it's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology. And the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. It's not clear the teachers can teach or the students can learn. And so the challenge for society to find jobs for these people who we can take care of giving them a roof over their head and a meal in their stomach and a cell phone and a car and that sort of thing. But the thing that's the most important that will stop them from setting up the guillotine someday is the dignity of a job. Unbelievable disconnect. You know, there's so many examples now of of either the deep state, the Democratic Party, the media mob elitists like Bloomberg. I mean, you just dig a hole, you put a you know, seed in it, that sucker pops up. But, you know, you need more gray matter uh, in your brain and, you know, to be able to do all the real stuff that real people do. Uh, I'd like to see Bloomberg try and outwit and outmatch the brilliance and genius that is American farmers today. And it, it's so dismissive and insulting. Sort of like, well, they're a bunch of, I can smell them from here. They're, they're Trump supporters that shop at Walmart. Okay, I like Walmart. I shop at Walmart. You know what I shop at Walmart? Because you get everything at Walmart. You get everything at Walmart at a good price. And then you go to a super Walmart, you can even do your grocery shopping. I like Costco's too. I like Target. I like when my Kmart near me closed down. Um, and I guess, you know, listen to CNN, Don Lemon. Well, them there, latte drinking. What are them lines, Ukraine? And they think they're funny. And then, oh, irredeemable, deplorable Trump supporters or those bitter Americans, as Obama said, that cling to their God. Okay, I'm guilty. I need God in my life. I admit it. I'm guilty. And their constitution. 
guilty. I believe in all our constitutional rights. They're Bibles and religion. Uh, Does that make us bad people? I think that makes us people that want to be better people. Anyway, my buddy John Rich is now in the FoxNation.com family. And John Rich uh, kicks off his brand new uh, show at Fox Nation on demand anytime you want. FoxNation.com today, a longtime friend of the program, obviously from Big and Rich, and uh, a good friend of mine personally. How are you, my brother? Hey, I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. And speaking of God, guns, Bible, religion, uh, your dad was a preacher, and he was like a fire and brimstone guy, right? Yeah, he still is a preacher, uh, actually, and uh, we all grew up on farms out in West Texas, Amarillo, Texas, the Grain Belt. You know, I heard that uh, comment about how basically any any numbskull can uh, be a farmer. You know, farmers are also chemists. They're also uh, soil experts. They have to be weather guys. I mean, and the, the, the gambling that goes along with being a farmer, farmer with drought or too much rain. I mean, listen. you know, the biggest problem is I had to go out once to the San Joaquin Valley in California. I was doing a story. The story was that farmers uh, didn't have enough water because the government cut off water to save not even an endangered species, something called the Delta smelt. You know, it looks like a little minnow fish. That's all it is. Right. And then I, I walk at all the farmers couldn't do their They couldn't farm anymore. They had no water and they wouldn't release the water to the farmers. So the farmers then go bankrupt. There's government for you. Well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that farmers can survive without Bloomberg, but I don't think Bloomberg can survive without farmers. How about that? Well, I agree with that, too. Uh, tell me about the their pursuit. I did see an ad for it uh, on the channel. I haven't watched it yet. I do have my account at FoxNation.com. I'm going to watch it. So tell me about John Rich now becoming television star on top of everything else. Although you were on The Apprentice, and and you won the whole thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, the show's called The Pursuit with John Rich, and it stems from something that I've said for a long time, and that is our country doesn't guarantee us the right to be happy. It guarantees us the right to pursue happiness. There's a big difference between those two things. So this show uh, focuses on great Americans who've accomplished incredible things through their pursuit of happiness. And of course, we both know nothing big happens easily. There's obstructions and there's uh, lots of trials that you go through to, to get what we call the American dream, but it can be done. And so the show is meant to be entertaining and also inspiring and really puts a spotlight on some people that you know, Winona Judd, Gretchen Wilson, but then other people you might not have heard of that have stories that are absolutely mind-boggling. That, that's what my show is all about. You know, I'd bring on maybe we should do like a town hall with farmers and find out how easy it is. You know, there was a period in my life, in my early 20s, and I lived in Rhode Island. And anyway, there was like the gas company or the electric company, I forget. They'd given out these big parcels of land if you wanted to, you know, not do, not be a farmer, but you could grow vegetables and corn and cucumbers and, and you know, bell peppers and tomatoes. I did all of it. You know how much work it is? It's so much work doing a little. And this was not, you know, the biggest plot in the world. Um, but I really wanted to see. I wanted to do it just to try it and see if I could be uh-huh. any good at it. And then what I realized is after a couple of years, I did it. And I and then it's like you go down the block and you can buy a dozen corn at the time for like two bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> man, there's a lot of work goes into that dozen, you know, ears of corn. 
Well, did you, you know people go to universities to specialize in agricultural yeah. science? They're Those great are the at people it. that that go out and run the really big farms and cattle operations and all that. So it's just another example of, like you said, elitists that don't understand who it is they're talking to. They belittle those people um and guess what if it wasn't for those people uh their life would be they would be they would be screwed sean they wouldn't know what to do they they're not self-sustaining they can't defend themselves they can't feed themselves uh they would be totally at a loss if it weren't for the working men and women of this country sort of like hank williams song a a country boy can survive will survive (laughs) now think about it you know, yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, we. I know how to fish. I know how to grow food. I know how to make my own wine. I know how to do everything on my own. And it's a, just a different mentality, big city, uh, small town. But there's a lot of small towns in America. And what's really sick is how politicians, it's a great song, by the way, politicians and then the media mob and others look down on, you know, yeah, let's play a little bit of the chorus here. Field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Make our own whiskey and our own smoke, too. Ain't too many things these old boys can't do. We grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine, and country boy can survive. I mean, he makes a comparison in the song uh, about his friend in New York City. And I mean, it's kind of true that I think a lot of people in cities, they don't have any clue where their food comes from. Oh, it comes from the grocery store. Okay, somebody grew that. I remember at one point... I was driving and I was so annoyed with tractors. It was a heavy rain, and every time you pass a tractor, you can't see for like till you pass the tractor. And I'm like complaining. I'm like, you know, without truckers, man, we don't have anything in our in any store, any place, anywhere. It's amazing well, how know, important they are. Well, you're right, and I think I think President Trump going to the Daytona 500. You know, NASCAR is not just something in the South. NASCAR, Dover, Delaware, Dover Downs, one of the coolest tracks out there. I've been to that one, too. I think for him to go out where the people are at, where the work hard, play hard. What's the number one spectator sport in the world, John Rich? Yeah, of course it is. And, and he went out there and walked right in the middle of them and, and patted them on the back and recognized our American heroes. And, you know, that's what's different. You know, uh, he, he is a man of the people in a lot of ways. He cares about what they think, what they do. He wants to make sure they get, they get jobs, that they have lower taxes. And that comes through when you see him standing on a NASCAR track. And I think that drives people like Bloomberg crazy because he will never stand on a NASCAR track because guess why? They all know he's not legit if he stands down there because he says that people that grow crops have less gray matter than somebody that can program a computer. It's disgusting. Isn't that, isn't that insulting or smelly Walmart shoppers or irredeemable deplorables or you know yeah. bitter Americans that cling to God, their Bibles, and religion? Really? Wow. I thought well, that was gonna, I thought that was what made America great. Well, they're going to smart aleck their way right into another loss is what I think is going to happen, and America's <laughs> not going to put up with it. By the way, I I got to meet your your preacher dad because man, you must have given this poor guy a hell of a time. I mean, you were a hellraiser your whole life. You still are a hellraiser. 
There was a little prodigal sound, no doubt. All right, John Rich, we love you. I know you got to run. It's called The Pursuit. Starts anytime you want. Just go to foxnation.com. When we come back, we hit the phones for the final segment here. And uh, after the half-hour break and the other news of the day, Hannity, I know it's President's Day. I know many of you have off, not me. I have to work. All right, let's hit our phones. Uh, let's say hi to Billy is in Dallas. Billy, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir, on the answer. What's going on? So thank you for having me on today. Thank you, sir. I was wanting to call you and let you guys know that you're doing a tremendous job. and want to tell you personally, thank you. I'm a pastor here in the uh, Dallas, Texas area, African-American pastor, and and I understand the challenges that you have been facing to get this message out. But keep on doing what you're doing. You're not in it by yourself. Uh, you have a tremendous back backing from the people that I know. We just need more. That's the key. You know, Pastor, I know like polls break everything down demographically. First of all, thanks for what you do, because you're you're in a much more important business, and that's saving souls. Uh, you're a fisher of men, if you will, to quote the Bible. But um, one thing that has happened, I don't like every two and four years that race card is played. And what I see are results. I mean, it's kind of a strange time when a guy running for president says, what have you got to lose? Because Democratic big cities, Democratic rule has not helped minority communities, as they claim. It's hurt them. And right. here Donald Trump is setting record after record. He's the one that passed criminal justice reform. His numbers with minorities are going through the roof. Does that translate into votes in your view? Exactly. It does. It does. My thing is, uh, Sean, my personal perspective uh, and with historical account, of course, President Trump is the best pastor. I mean, pastor, I call him pastor all the time. He's the best uh, um, uh, president that uh, African-Americans have had since uh, Abraham Lincoln. And I'm telling you, this is uh, this message is not resonating as it should, because, of course, we know the fake news and all of that. But uh, that's my quest, to get this message out to as many as we can. Have you it's ever met message. the president? Do you know Pastor Daryl Scott? I, I Only by uh, seeing on TV, no, no personal connection well, at all. Well, I'll tell you all. what I'm going to do, because I'm up on a break here. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to make sure that we get your information. And Pastor Scott is the head of the President's Diversity Coalition, and you sound like somebody that can do a lot of good helping the country and your ministry, and, and we appreciate your kind words and your prayers, Pastor, and Godspeed to you and your congregation. Well, thank you, Sean. One more thing before you go. Yeah. I've written the president four times, and he has responded to me all four times. He's far from a racist. See, I'm from the era where Jim Crow was uh, on life support but yet alive. I, I know what that's about. I know what racism is about. You know what and I they want? Use that race I, card. They use that race card because it's a life. It controls them. It controls you know, it's amazing. The president, he, he ends his rallies. What does he say? We're one glorious nation under God. And we are one family. We are one people. Pastor, stay on the line. Quick break. Right back. Your call's on the other side. And what things they can't fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an x-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just... And all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt us. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, if you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice day, live a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do anything. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. 
society's not willing to do that yet. So we're going to bankrupt us, and we're not looking at... With those cops, we have a crime in minority neighborhoods. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minority. Yes, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhood. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that, I don't want to get caught, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. Although they broke the law by illegally crossing our borders or overstaying their visas, and our businesses broke the law by employing them, our city's economy would be a shell of itself had they not, and it would collapse if they were deported. And the same holds true for our nation. I'll tell you where I'm going. First, Iowa, then New Hampshire. Maybe I can get the whole country to behave. Down here we got snapping turtles. Up there we got big bed bugs. Down here the whales making trouble. Up there air rugs taking drugs. New Yorkers the bravest people. The cops on the beat they care. It's true firefighters, teachers. We got heroes everywhere. All right, the problems of Bloomberg getting worse by the minute. Now, it's going to be interesting to watch the mob. The mob doesn't think Bernie can win. That's why, you know, even Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's conspiracy theory channel, they're, they're being tough on Bernie because they don't think Bernie can win. But there, I'm telling you, there's not really a lot of difference at all between the, any of these Democratic candidates. They're all radical. They're all extreme. They're all socialists. Now the thing is, so we go from, you know, what, what were his comments last week on race? Murder, murderers, murder victims fit one, not two, M.O., modus operandi. You just take the description, you Xerox it, you pass it out to all the cops. They're all male minorities, 16 to 25. That's true in New York and virtually every city. Oh, really? And I, didn't, I did not know that. Then he goes on to say, so, uh, oh, people say to me, oh, my God, you're arresting kids for marijuana. It's all minorities. And he writes, yeah, that's true. Why? Because we put all, not some, all the cops in minority neighborhoods. And why, why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is, not some, all of it. And just, you know, talking about young kids and they just, you know, the cops have to throw them up against the wall, throw them up against the wall. So that was bad. Now, you know, what, what's happened with Bloomberg is he's gotten a pass. Bloomberg now, there's a report he spent over $400 million already in terms of ad spending alone, according to the Washington Examiner. $400 million, $417.7 million as of Sunday morning. That's an awful lot of money. And there was a piece, even the Huffington Post called him like the Wizard of Oz. He doesn't sit down with anybody. He doesn't get interviewed by anybody. He doesn't want to get interviewed by anybody. And he wants to try and buy his way into the presidency. So plan B, Bloomberg, is now blowing up in their faces. But the media so acts feigns so much outrage over the things that Trump says, everything, single thing, he says, oh, they're shocked. They are, they're finding it appalling. Now, even the, well, we're going to have Hillary maybe as our running mate. What was that? That was a Wizard of Oz. Let's stay in the news. Let's be relevant. Let's throw out a name. Let's see how people react. Um. But the Clinton people are furious about it. 
and I don't. And now they're having a downplay. No, no, we're we're focused on the primary and the debate, not VP speculation. He goes on to say, uh, the things that he has said, it's pretty unbelievable. About you know, in a lawsuit that he was involved in, where he told a female employee she alleges to kill it, it being a baby because she's pregnant, and uh, insinuating she should get an abortion. And then complaining, oh, great, 17. In other words, there were 16 other employees that worked for him that happened to be uh, pregnant at the time. Now, the Washington Post and many other places are are printing or putting out there all of these things that they allege that he says. And part of it, they, they claim, comes from this booklet that was put together for him, at, I guess, at his 48th birthday, which means a long time ago. Uh, and the wit and wisdom of Michael Bloomberg and all these you know, pretty horrific things are said here on top of the lawsuits, which I guess now that's pretty much standard knowledge of people. It's all over the place. But and this goes on the list of stuff that he said goes on and on and on calling an opponent, a fellow business person, a cokehead womanizing. And then, a, well, let's just say uh, a, a word that wouldn't be used to get derogatory terms against gay people and uh, pretty, pretty hardcore. Uh, he had his, uh, he got presented with a booklet of all of his profane and, and sexist quotes attributed to him. You know, good salesperson is like a guy who tries to pick up a woman at the bar. Do you want to beep? He gets turned down a lot, but he gets beep a lot too. That's him. And then a booklet that's quoting him as saying that his company's financial information, computers, computer people, financial information people will do everything including give you beep vernacular for oral sex. I guess that puts a lot of you girls out of uh, business. He goes on to say, now all of a sudden the Democrats are paying attention to the guy that's been hiding the entire time uh, as he's making his run for the presidency and trying to buy the presidency. I mean, his track record is atrocious. I can't believe if Donald Trump on the race stuff alone had ever said any of this, it's game over. Now, if all of these stories and come out to be true, now you're looking at, okay, break, break down the demographics because you have coalitions in both parties. That's why you always split out in polling African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women and the vote. Okay, now he's alienated the African-American community, a big part of the Democratic Party base. Now all these things, if true... Seems like they might be about women. Okay, That's another big part of the Democratic Party base. And then if you take it a step further, I think he's pretty much ticked off everybody. The gay and lesbian community is part of the Democratic Party base. Uh, when the, all this hits the fan, are the same people that get outraged at anything that Donald Trump says, are they going to be outraged in the media mob? I tend to doubt it. As long as he's not Trump, he'll probably get a pass from the mob. But I don't think he's going to get a pass from the people. I don't think so. All right, let's get to our phones uh, as we say hi to William, North Carolina. 260 days, William. We're going to be watching North Carolina early in the evening, as always. Hey, hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm good, sir. What's going on? I've been trying to reach you for about a week. Sean, I'm a healthcare professional working in rehabilitation nuclear medicine for about 20-some-odd years. Last week, when the president said he's going to cut the budget, which would include cuts to Medicare and Medicaid. Some of my patients between the ages of 50 and 100 have been going absolutely crazy, saying they may not be able to support the president. 
Sean, it's a quick fix. All you got to do is tell President Trump, change the message. Please tell the president to say, we are going to strengthen Medicare and Medicaid by cutting waste, fraud, and abuse for all. Bingo. Th- That's this what we is the same thing. Th- look, this is what you get every... Anytime you have a reduction in the rate of increase, that's what they say, that they want granny and grandpa that are on Medicare to eat dog food, cat food until a Donald Trump lookalike, Paul Ryan lookalike, Kevin McCarthy lookalike, uh, Mitch McConnell lookalike throws granny over the cliff and says you're done. It's not true. The same with pre-existing conditions. The president's been clear on that. And the president's been clear that there are so many other innovative alternatives and the same with drug prices. He wants to negotiate down the drug prices, as he said, in a state of the union address, because a lot of the manufacturers charge us, we, the American people, more than they're charging other countries. Why should we have to pay more? Doesn't make sense, does it? You know, we love our friend, Dr. Josh Umber, Atlas MD, Wichita, Kansas, and his health care cooperative, 50 bucks a month, unlimited care. He negotiates directly with pharmaceutical companies And you walk out of his office with your blood pressure medicine, your cholesterol medicine at a 90, 95 percent discount. Well, we can institutionalize that around the country. Now, it is a very long, expensive, difficult, arduous process to get a drug from the research phase into, you know, your pharmacy, local or whatever. It takes forever. We need to. That's why I like when the president, you know, you get to decide the right to choose, meaning if you want to try experimental drugs and you're not going to make it unless you do, you should have the right to try anything you want. I agree with that completely. My friend Michelle Malkin, I mean, she convinced me about the medicinal benefits of marijuana. When, you know, she told me about people very close to her. She'd been very outspoken about it. And she said to me, and I'd known her for all these years, she convinced me. I think, but I don't like people becoming dr- drug addicts either. And I do believe, you know, when you legalize pot, what happens? It leads to the use of other medications. And frankly, anybody I've ever known that smokes pot regularly is, you know, kind of worthless every day. They're like, hey, what's up, man? And I don't think it's a particularly good drug. And I do think you can get addicted, at least psychologically, to anything. But if we can get some good health benefits out of hemp, I'm all for it. That's why we have CB Distillery doc- CEO on this program. Because there are other alternative medicines and cures out there. And I think we ought to have the ability to try them. I don't think it should be that difficult for people to get medicines that show hope and promise. But it's going to take another 10 years for the Food and Drug Administration to ever sign off on it. I think people ought to be given all the facts, whatever they are, all the data. And they ought to be able to make up their own minds. That's freedom. It's your life. I mean, if I, had, if, I, if I was going to die and somebody told me, well, we have promising results from this, I think I'd probably want to try it. I'm not ready to go yet. Uh, anyway, William, well thought out, well said. Uh, let's say hi to John in Pennsylvania. Boy, do we need Pennsylvania in 260 days. What's up, John? How are you? I'm doing good, Mr. Handy. Just to let you know, I'm on my way back. Um, I surprised my sister-in-law and my nephew they both got baptized this weekend and i want to do a big shout out to them first well good for you big shout out to all of them and tell them thanks for listening will do sir all right so i got two points i want to get to um trump he has um, enormous political capital right now what would be the best way for him to utilize it and i think just i think the answer is just keep doing what he's doing 
okay. keep the economy on the current track we're on. I think that one improvement I'd like to see in the second term is get a bigger control of the budget. He's starting now to try that process. But if you reduce the the rate of growth, you're not cutting anything. You're just the rate of growth. Slow it down. I mean, Democrats go nuts. I mean, I did ask him when he was running about the penny plan. He talked about a nickel plan. You know, at some point, we got to get this budget back in balance because it means something. But with that said, he had a military that was depleted. He had to dramatically increase the amount of money for our military. And it's now paying dividends, as we saw with the caliphate and Baghdadi and Soleimani and this guy, Al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. He got them all. Every one of them he got. As an active duty uh, member of the Navy, I do appreciate it. Yeah. Um, anyway. And, and the second word. point. All right. Second point. Uh, Congressman Crenshaw, he has a answer to this crazy Green New Deal. Um, it's called the New Energy Frontier. It actually looks promising. Um, it deals with carbon recapture and LNG. Like, I hate to say it. I mean, we're leading the world in reducing carbon emissions. You know that. I mean, this this Paris Accord madness... And it's funny get watching Bernie, you know, he's using his private jet every day. Elizabeth Warren is using hers. Bloomberg has his. And they're going to lecture us on um, carbon emissions. I really don't want to hear it from any of them. They're all phony. Um, but I will to say this, you know, the lifeblood of our economy is oil and gas. And unless and until you have a cheaper, better source of energy that w- could replace oil and gas, you know what? We don't have any other option. We're also not going to be able to live and compete and and thrive and survive even. That, all right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity, yes, I'm working. I know it's President's Day. Too much news out there. We're loaded up. The absolute disaster, Plan B, Bloomberg falling apart with all these discoveries. Well, full coverage of that. Uh, I agree with both Bill Barr and Donald Trump. What does Lindsey Graham say? We'll get to the bottom of that. The latest on the battle within Democratic ranks to screw Bernie Sanders, uh, Charlie Hurt. Just as we have a great show, 9 Eastern, set your uh, DVR, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for being with us.